Good morning. <laughs> well, it's a real honor to be here and uh, to be able to share with you today. And um, I've just returned from Chicago this week. Uh, I was out there for five months. Uh, it's the longest time I've been in the States since 2003. And it really feels good to be back. I miss Scotland and uh, miss uh, our friends here. And just so thankful that God has allowed us to be back. Well, I want to share something with you. You know, um, when I was in school, at the end of the summer, one of the first things we often was asked to do was to write an essay entitled, What I Did on My Summer Vacation. And you would talk about maybe trips you took with the family or things you did, places you went. And I thought about that as I've been gone for five months over the summer and into the fall. Uh, and some of the lessons that God has shared with me this summer. And I want to share some of these insights with you as well. Uh, and the title of my sermon this morning is Surviving Difficult Times. Surviving Difficult Times. This is a difficult time for us and has been uh, over the past several months. My wife went out to Chicago in May and I went in June because her younger sister and her only sister uh, was um, suffering with breast cancer. And our oldest daughter there had informed us that things looked like they were progressing to you know, a place where it wasn't very good and we needed to get out there, so we did. And we got there and um, Tisha was uh, really going down and she ended up passing away in September. And then we stayed on for a few months after that to help out with family things. And that's been a very difficult thing to see someone, only 45 years old, just slowly deteriorating. At the end, she could barely stand or speak, uh, could only speak in a whisper, was in a lot of pain. Uh, and even now, um, my wife is really struggling with just every day kind of waking up and realizing that her sister is gone. On top of that, we had some other family uh, issues and just the normal things in life. And it, it hasn't always been easy, but yet through it all, God has given us a great strength and a great peace. And I don't know where you are in your life today. Maybe you're going through a very difficult time. Perhaps you've lost someone very close to you. Maybe you've lost a job or relationship. Maybe you have a health issue yourself or someone close to you does. And these things can be very difficult. Well, I want to share with you just some insights from God's Word this morning that will help you to be able to deal with the difficult times in life. And if you're here today and you're blessed that everything is just great in your life. You don't have a care in the world. It just seems like every day, everything you want to have happen, happens for you. And you're doing very well. Well, maybe what you'll hear today will prepare you for those times when difficulties do come. But before we turn our attention to God's Word, could we just bow our heads for a word of prayer? Dear God, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Thank you for your blessings to us. And now as we turn our attention to your Word, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us. Help us, dear God, to understand what your word has to say about how we deal with the difficult times in our life. And I pray, dear God, if there's anyone here today who is going through one of these difficult times, maybe they've come here and they're really heavy, their hearts are heavy and they're feeling like they just can't go on. I pray that something will be said here today and that your spirit will minister to their heart in a way that they'll leave here in courage. So bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said at the outset, you know, maybe you're going through a very difficult time uh, in your life or have in the past. And sometimes as Christians, we can particularly wonder why God is allowing these things to happen to us. 
when we know that He is all-powerful. And He has the ability to make sure these things don't happen in our life. So why does God do this? Well, there's a couple of things that we want to look at here. But the first I say is this. To survive the difficult times in your life, we have to have a right perspective on struggle. A right perspective on struggle. If we understand struggle and difficulty in our lives, then it will help us to be more at peace. And here's the first thing we need to know about difficult times. Suffering is something that is common to every human being. Suffering is common to every human being. We live in a fallen world. The world as it exists today is not the way that God created it. He created a world where there was no crime. There was no murder, no hatred, all these other things that we see on display. But because of the sinfulness of man, the world is not the way that God created it. And that's one of the reasons suffering is common to every human being. In Job 14, verse 1, he said, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Seems like life just slips by really, really fast. And there's a lot of trouble in our lives. The human experience involves both good times and bad times, joy and sorrow, gain and loss. Life was never meant to be, especially in this fallen world, it's never going to be just all good times. How many of you can relate to this? Have you ever laughed so hard that you thought you couldn't stop? I mean, you just laughed and you just laughed until you ate, until your jaws ached. And, and I can't remember what I laughed about, but I can remember doing that. Just laughing and laughing until you feel like you're going to die from laughing. That's a wonderful experience, isn't it? You know, we'd like to have that kind of experience every day of our life. The scripture says that laughter is good, like a medicine. It cheers the heart and makes you feel good. It's very, very good to laugh like that. But that's only one part of the human experience. There's another part of it. And it isn't just the laughter is what it really means to live life, and then the sorrow isn't. They go hand in hand. Have you ever had this experience? Have you ever cried so deeply and so powerfully that you felt like you were never going to stop crying? Have you cried till you felt like you were crying from your very soul? You ever, ever experienced that type of depth of sorrow? I have. I remember when my father died suddenly. Uh, you know, the day he died, he just, you know, he wasn't sick or ill. He had been at work that day at church that night and preached. And then the next day he was gone. So it was just like out of the blue. We weren't prepared for it. And when it first happened, I think I was so focused on, I'm the oldest of my mother's children. So I was so focused on helping her plan for a funeral and take all the arrangements and stuff. I hadn't really processed it. But about a week after we buried him, I happened to be home alone. My wife and the children were out. I remember being in my bedroom and just being on my knees by the side of the bed and just crying. I was 30 years old at the time, but I remember just crying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I just could not believe that my father was gone. And I can remember crying so hard, it just felt like it was coming from the very depths of my being. I've never cried like that since. I've never cried like that before. But both of those experiences, that uncontrollable laughter and that depth of sorrow, are all what it means to be a human being. So we need to understand this is just part of life. When I was a kid, my mother helped to prepare us for this because she would often tell us, that the bad things that we hear in the news and on the television and hear about other people wasn't always going to be somebody down the street or across the street that one day it was going to visit our house and one day it did. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. 
God never promised us as Christians that we wouldn't suffer like other people. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if you put your faith in me and trust me and serve me, then you'll have no problems in life. And we need to understand that. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and I want to read uh, verses 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes 9 and 1 says, So I reflected in all this. And what he's talking about there is, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. The scripture says he's the wisest man who ever lived. And he really did an experiment on life to try to figure out what was the meaning and purpose of life. And as he reflected on all that he had, had done and experienced, he said, I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oath, so with those who are afraid to take them. I want to look again at verse number 2 where it says, All share a common destiny. Now the immediate context of what he's talking about there is death. That Christians will die just like non-Christians. And believers die just like unbelievers. It doesn't matter. Good will die just like the bad. But in a broader sense, this applies to all human suffering. That we all share a common destiny. They're all things that we're going to go through. And so when we go through difficult times, we must not think that God has let us down. One of the keys to surviving difficult times in our life is that when we go through it, we have to understand that this is a part of life. But then we also have to understand that God has not failed us. You know, sometimes we can actually allow ourselves to have an attitude with God. Like, God, how could you let this happen to me? After all I have done for you. I go to church, I give my tithes and offerings, I serve, I do all of this. So why are these bad things happening to me? But that's not the right attitude to have. God doesn't owe us anything. He has done everything for us. And we owe Him our allegiance and our love. We must never think that God has let us down. God never promised us that we wouldn't suffer as other people do. One of the things I think uh, contributes to this mindset as we see a lot of preaching today that talks about how that if you become a Christian, your life is just going to be tremendously blessed. And God has become like a good luck charm. You know, you bring some spirituality in your life, you go to church and things, and then that just like insulates you from all the bad things. And everything is going to happen for you. You're going to have a nice car, a nice home. You know, you're going to meet a nice, you know, handsome man or a beautiful woman. And just your life is going to be perfect. You're going to live happily ever after. That's not what the Bible teaches. And then sometimes what happens is people sign up for it because that's what they're looking for. And then when it doesn't work out that way, they feel disappointed and they feel like God has let them down. So that's the first point. This is a part of life. We need to have that understanding and help us to survive these times. But here's another point. We all make mistakes in our life. And sometimes there will be harsh consequences. You know, we need to have a balance here. Between thinking that every time something bad happens to us, it's God, uh, God punishing us. But we also need to take responsibility for the times that we do make mistakes in our life and have to suffer the consequences. Some of the suffering we go through in life and the difficult times, if we're really honest with ourselves, is because we brought it on ourselves. You know, if you go out and you take out uh, a loan on a used car at 36% interest, and have a 700 pound a month car note 
And then when you can't make the car note, you can't blame God for that. <laughs> Those are bad decisions. Many of us have made bad financial decisions, have to suffer the consequences. Amen? Sometimes people get into bad relationships and have to do what? Suffer the consequences. And God doesn't show up like the Lone Ranger when we make mistakes and keep us from experiencing any of the consequences of our life. Even salvation doesn't take away the consequences of our sin. You know, if you go out and someone goes out and sleeps with somebody, ends up with a, a, a disease, they can come, ask God's forgiveness. He will forgive them. He will restore them. But guess what? They're going to have to suffer the consequences. There are things that we can do in sin that even after we come to Christ, those things don't go away right away. And we have to understand that. So surviving the difficult times helps us, uh, requires us to remember that when we make mistakes in our life and none of us are perfect, we all do. If there are consequences, we have to patiently suffer it. Here's the thing that First Peter says on this subject. He says in, in 1 Peter 2 and 20, But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? In other words, there's no real good that comes out of doing something that's wrong and having to suffer the consequences. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Peter was saying that there was something good about suffering for Christ. Suffering for doing good. But when you suffer for your own mistakes, all you can do is suffer patiently. But the good news is that God is gracious. God is just. He's fair. He will never punish us above what we deserve. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that God doesn't punish us to the level that we deserve. If he did, we'd all be lost today. You know, and that's why it, it's a much better thing to fall into the hands of God than man. Because man is unforgiving. Man will punish you far more than you deserve. But God will not. So if we go through things for our own mistakes, we can take confidence in knowing that God will have mercy on us. And he will not allow us to be punished above what we deserve. <coughs> Excuse me. The third point I want to make on this, how we have the right perspective on difficult times and helps us to survive is when we go through these difficult times, God is often trying to help us grow and fulfill his plan for our life. Some of the suffering we go through is God's way of actually helping us to grow and helping us to reach that point in our lives that he wants to take us to. Turn with me to James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. And we want to read a few verses there. Beginning at verse number 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here, the Apostle James is saying that we should actually have a different perspective on difficult times. A perspective that instead of feeling like, oh, this is awful, this is terrible, when is this going to be over? He says that we should appreciate it. That's what he might, means by considerate pure joy. He's not saying that you should go skipping down the street saying, I'm going through a difficult time in my life. Hallelujah, wonderful. I wish it was more like that. I wish it like this more often. No, but he's saying appreciate it. Understand that through this difficulty, God is going to work out something very special and significant in your life. 
And it's only through these trying times that we will be made stronger. The Bible uses several analogies to describe the way in which God helps us grow. One is refining. The way that gold is purified. You know, gold is heated up and the dross, the, the, the bad stuff, is burned off. The same in our lives. That as the pressures in our life kind of heat up, it's actually refining us, making us more like Christ. Another analogy is that of pruning. What a gardener does with a tree or a bush. You know, it cuts off those dead branches so that the tree will be healthier, that the bush will be healthier. Another analogy is discipling. The same thing a parent does with a child. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home where my parents, we, we didn't call it spanking. It was whoopings. <laughs> That's what we got. You know, but I can remember how my mom and dad would always say, you know, one day you'll thank me for this. And I thought they were nuts when they were doing it, you know. Or, or my dad would often say, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. And when I had done something bad, I thought, well, that's really unfair, so let me whip you so that I'll suffer. You know, <laughs> I wish I had had the boldness to say that to him, but I never did. <laughs> but I thought it. But, uh, you know, as, as parents, we discipline our children because we see some flaw in their character that needs to be corrected. And we're doing it out of love to make them better people. And it's the same with God's relationship with us. <laughs> That he disciplines those that he loves to make us more useful for his kingdom. So all of these things are analogies, uh, ways to describe the way in which God helps us grow. But what does refining, pruning, or discipline have in common? Well, they all involve changing something or someone by subjecting it to a difficult and sometimes painful process that results in a thing or person being improved. If you're going through a difficult time in your life, God is using that as a way to change you, to improve you. And it could be that God has a plan or purpose for your life, some ministry he wants you to work in, and you're not quite ready to do that. So he needs to change you and make you more useful for his kingdom. And that comes through this whole process. God uses the difficult times in our lives to change us for his good. Excuse me, one example of that is in the life of Joseph. You all know the story. God gives Joseph a vision that one day he will rule over his father and his brothers. But to get to that, the realization of that dream, Joseph had to go through 13 years of horrific suffering. He was betrayed by his brothers and thrown into a pit and left for dead. Then he's rescued from the pit and sold into slavery. Then he's in a slave in Potiphar's house and gets accused of trying to rape Potiphar's wife and gets thrown into prison. And then when in prison, he gets called before the king, before Pharaoh, interprets his dream, and he's elevated to number two in the kingdom of Egypt. Now, all the suffering that Joseph went through, it wasn't incidental to his final destiny. It wasn't if God had this plan to take him and elevate him as the number two person in Egypt and all the bad things that happened somehow, you know, interfered with God's plan. That was God's plan. The path from Joseph, where he was when God gave him that dream, to the palace, went through the pit, through slavery, and through prison. Every step that Joseph took was bringing him one step closer to realizing and fulfilling his ultimate destiny, although it didn't feel like it. You may be going through a very difficult time in your life right now, 
But it may be that God is actually taking you through this path and bringing you closer and closer to realizing your ultimate destiny. This is necessary. You know, through all, much of growth, there's pain. Sometimes this is a process. You know, think about how children go from adolescence to adulthood. It's a painful process, isn't it? Maybe more so for the parents. <laughs> but that's because they're changing. They're growing. You know, obviously I've never given birth to a child. But I've observed it up close. And it appears to me that there's a lot of pain and suffering that goes into that. Unless my wife was just faking it when I was there. But it, but it looks like it's a painful thing to go through. But one of the things that I've realized, uh, that I observed, that child is born through a lot of pain, a lot of agony. But the moment that new life comes out, all that pain and suffering is completely forgotten. You never go and visit a woman in the hospital, you know, minutes or an hour you know, uh, after the birth, and all they want to talk about is how painful it is. No, they want to talk about the beautiful child that they have. Because that pain was necessary to bring forth new life. The pain that you're experiencing in your life right now is necessary for God to bring forth new life, to take you to deeper depths and higher heights, to, to change you into a more useful vessel for His kingdom. So don't look at it as a negative. Consider it all joy, because God is doing something very special in your life, and it's going to pay off in the end. Up to now, I've talked about why God allows these things to happen. Why do we have suffering at all? We live in a fallen world. This is common to everybody. Some of it's our own mistakes. Some of it God is using to change us. But just as I close, let me just give you three ways God wants to use for you to use these painful experiences to help other people. God doesn't allow us to go through this just for our own sake, just so it can change us. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3. Now that we've looked at some of the reasons why God allows these things to happen, let's look at how you can use the painful, difficult experiences in your own life to be a blessing to other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Look at verse number 4 again. It says, So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We go through difficult times in our life. And when God brings us through these things, we experience His comfort. He does that so that we can share that comfort with other people. So the first reason God allows us to go through these things or how we can use it to help others is to minister to others. Whatever you have experienced in your life and you have felt God's peace and presence and power, that can be used to minister to someone else in a similar situation. It's one of the things that I've found very helpful in ministry. 
um, I didn't start off in ministry when I was 18 or 21. I didn't, you know, accept the call to ministry until I was about 37 years old. And one of the, the benefits in that is that I've had some life experience. I'm still a young man, but I've got five children, all of who are grown now. The youngest is 18 here, DJ. I've got nine grandchildren, so I know what it is to parent children of all ages, all the way up to adults. And let me tell you, parenting adults are the hardest parenting there is. You think when children are that age that, you know, if you could just get them grown, everything is easier. Whew, have I learned that's not true. <laughs> so if you've got small kids, enjoy it. This is the easiest time you'll ever have. But uh, I, I digress. <laughs> but one of the things it does is it gives me life experience and insight to help other people as well who go through the same thing. My wife and I have had struggles in our marriage. Uh, when we have, we've been married 25 years now, but when we were married seven years, we almost split up. We had talked about separating, but then God stepped in and helped us to stay together and thank God he did because our marriage has gotten much, much stronger and many, many years now we can look at that and see how it can be a blessing to other people. I was preaching in January in Kenya and I was sharing a lot of my own personal stories and experiences and at lunch, some uh, Kenyan pastors were sitting with me, and they were amazed at how I was using personal experiences to, to, to kind of illustrate the truth of God's Word. And they were saying, we don't do that. You know, they just thought, wow, you, you're so open. But I was saying, I think that's very helpful to people, to know that you've been there. You've gone through this. I, I know what it is to lose someone very close to me when my father died. And, and now my sister-in-law just recently passed. My mother is a 17-year breast cancer survivor, and we've had some scary moments with her. All of these things can be helpful to others. What is it in your life? What's your testimony? How God has blessed you, delivered you, helped you, strengthened you, that you can use to minister to someone else. And I know sometimes people are very shy about sharing or we like to keep all of our lives private. But what if there was someone in this fellowship who was going through something and was feeling very overwhelmed by it and yet you have been through that same thing and can be a help to them. God wants us to use our experiences to minister to others. The other thing our experiences can be used to do is to motivate others. Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It talks about not giving up meeting together as you're doing this morning and to encourage one another. Your experiences, what God has brought you through, how he has blessed you, how he has used you to be a blessing to others can motivate other people as well. The first thing I did out of high school was going to the United States Marine Corps. And when you go in the Marines, the first thing you have to do is go to boot camp. Well, boot camp is very difficult. But one of the things that got me through the difficult days I reminded myself that tens of thousands of other young men and women had done this. And if they could do it, so could I. Every day I reminded myself, other people have done this, so I know I can as well. When God, people see what God has done in your life, 
They will say, if God can do it for you, he can do it for me. If God can help you, he can help me. Let your experiences in life help to motivate others. And then the third thing, besides helping to minister to others and to motivate others, use your experiences to be a model for others. Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, in chapter 317, says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. We, we need Christian models. That's what discipleship, that's part of what discipleship is all about. And, and leaders in the church, and really everybody, but particularly leaders in the church, should model the Christian life so that other people can follow them. Now, our models don't need to be perfect. They just need to be forgiven and authentic. To be real. And part of that is being real about the fact that we're not perfect. That we are no different than anybody else. We're all trying to live for Christ. We're all trying to be the person God created us to be. But we need to model that. And you need to model that in your life for others. Can you be a model to someone about how to survive difficult times? Can they see your level of faith and commitment, your hope, your joy in the midst of suffering and be inspired by that? That's what God wants us to do in our lives. We've been talking this morning about how to survive difficult times. And again, we need to have a, the right perspective on suffering. It's just common. Part of life. And if you're not going through it now, prepare yourself for it. Because if you live long enough, you will experience some difficult days. And when you do, don't think that God has failed you or forgotten you. He hasn't. What God, he doesn't promise that we won't have any suffering, but he does promise that he will be with us in the midst of our suffering. And he will bring us out. And then learn to have an appreciation for the difficult struggles in your life. And know that through them, God is working something out in your life for his good. He's making you more and more the person he wants you to be. Making you more useful for him to minister to others. And then whatever it is that you've gone through in your life, find a way to use it constructively to help others. Use it to minister to somebody else. To let them know that you can relate to what they're going through. Use it to be a, a way to motivate others. And then use it to be a model for other people as well. You'll be blessed. Others will be blessed. And God will be pleased. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for just these biblical insights into how we deal with a very practical thing of dealing with the difficult times in our life. And I pray, dear God, that you would take the words that I've shared and you would use them to minister to the hearts and minds of everyone under the sound of my voice. And dear God, again, if there's someone here today who is going through a difficult time in their life, I just pray that they will feel a real sense of your presence, your peace. They will be inspired to trust you and to know that although you don't promise that every day will be easy, you do promise that you'll be with us every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.